Welcome to Our Story, a podcast where ordinary people share extraordinary stories. Today, I'm joined by Brandon Waku. What's up, Chief? How's it going, Othara? How you it's been? It's going man? well. Uh, you know, the coronavirus quarantine is still going on here. Uh, but other than that, uh, doing well. How about you in Albuquerque? Same on my end, man. It's uh, it's taking its toll, and um, it's you know kind of changed the daily life of my family. Um, so you know, I, I stay home now, and uh, for the most part, and work from home. And my, my son is out of school, so we're trying to go down that route of making sure he's keeping up with his curriculum at school. So um, it's been a bit of a challenge, but you know, we're getting there. We're getting through it together. That's awesome. Uh, and I know you work in, uh, or at least you used to work in uh, the health. Uh, profession is that still the case um yes so i actually work for the va hospital but i transitioned over to an area called cooperative studies okay Uh, so we we help out with uh different types of studies going on through the u.s Uh, so that's where i'm based out of really interesting i'm I'm gonna go uh more into that later on but let's take a step back and um, start from square one um, you know, imagine I'm looking up uh, your Wikipedia article. What would that first paragraph say for um, Brandon? So Wikipedia, man, uh, I mean, obviously anyone can edit that, but mine would probably just say something pretty basic, man. Uh, my name is Brandon. I was born and raised here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Joined uh, the United States Army back in 2004 and left the great state of New Mexico for about six years, um, lived in a bunch of different areas around the world and came back, started a family, uh, became a family man. And, you know, that's, that's where I'm at now. That's, you know, my story's still going, but that's where I'm at now. That's awesome. And I want to know a little bit more about your childhood in Albuquerque. And you're one of my few friends who is, you know, is it fair to say hundred percent native American? Yes. So uh, my father is from Jemez Pueblo, New Mexico, and my mother is from Taos Pueblo, New Mexico. Um, so I'm 100% Native American, uh, born and raised here. I wasn't. I didn't grow up on the reservation. I grew up in Albuquerque, um, but that's that's where my story started. Is uh, my mom is from Taos and my dad's from Jemez. Okay, very cool. And for uh, folks that are not familiar, like including me. Um, how is the dynamic between like city life and reservation life? Like, um, you know, the very little that I know is just, uh, you know, my time I spend in Albuquerque and mostly driving through reservations, but, uh, have you ever experienced life in reservation? Like, how is that different? Yes. So actually I did live on the reservation, um, back in 1997 to 1998. Um, I actually went to school up in Taos Pueblo. Um, I did a year of middle school up there. Um, and before that, I went to Head Start over in Jemez, Pueblo, New Mexico. Uh, it's very different. Um, it's obviously a very close-knit community when you're on the reservation. Um, I spent a lot of time up there with um, family throughout my years for summer vacations and uh, different types of uh, holidays. So, you know, I got I got... I feel like I get the best of both worlds. Um, you know, I have my life here in Albuquerque, but I also have um, that side of my life that, you know, I, I hold pretty close to my heart. I, 
I'm not as a part of it as I would like sometimes. Uh, just life gets in the way, but, you know, I, I do make an effort to try to keep in contact with family up there and um, on both sides. So, um, you know, that's that's the dynamic is, is not as crazy as most people think. But, um, you know, as, as far as growing up on the reservation, um, it was a different experience as opposed to growing up here, you know public schools and, and, and things of that nature. So, you know, we have different holidays off when there's stuff going on on the reservation. Uh, they give us the days off and, you know, little things like that. They talk to us in our native tongue. Um, I do not speak as good as I would like, but I, uh, I can understand uh, almost 100% of both dialects uh, from my mom and my father's side. So, you know, if I have a, I can have a conversation with my elders, but I try to, uh, you know, talk the language, but it, that, that's a hard barrier for me to break. Um, my dialect is not anywhere close to where it sounds like my cousins and my uncles and aunties and everyone speaks. But, um, you know, I do my best to respect that. And uh, if someone tries to talk to me like that, I, I do my best to reciprocate. But, you know, that that's a tough one for me just because I don't do it on a daily basis, you know, so. Got it. I'm uh, I'm a little curious on um, understanding the language culture. You said uh, you have separate dialects. So what is the language and what is the uh, difference in the different dialects? And is, you know, you said you grew up there and you had schooling there. Like, were you taught that as, as part of the curriculum? Um, how did that work out? Yeah. So in Taos, they speak, uh, it's, it's all Pueblo. It's, it's, so we're Pueblo Native Americans here uh, in New Mexico. Um, you know, we have the Navajo nation here and stuff, but for the most part, we speak Pueblo. Um, in Taos, it's called um, Tiwa, T-I-W-A. And in Jemez, it's Toa, T-O-W-A. Uh, so those are the different dialects. There's, there's, t like, there's different dialects throughout all the different Pueblos here um, throughout New Mexico. Some of them vary pretty drastically um, as far as the words uh, that they use, the way they talk, the distinctions with vowels and stuff like that. Um, it wasn't really part of the curriculum per se, uh, but it was spoken. Um, and both of those dialects really aren't, uh, you know, spoken too much throughout the United States. They're very specific to uh, the different reservations here in uh, New Mexico. Yeah. So it's a very small niche group, you know, that uh, is able to speak and, you know, put that down to their next generation. Yeah, that's really cool. So um, I, I, may, I don't want to sound disrespectful when I ask this, but is there a written language? Like how, how are you, uh, you know, passing it down to generation to generation? It's, it's all taught through uh, stories, speaking. Uh, you know, your parents talking to you when you're growing up, there's not technically a written language for any of that stuff. There's not a whole lot of written languages for Native Americans. Um, it's basically passed on through traditional learning, you know, just word of mouth. You know, you, you hear your your parents, your uncles, aunties, everyone else speaking the language and uh, it's spoken to you as you're, you know, you're being brought up and that's just the language, you know. So a, a lot of my cousins um, and you know, aunties and uncles and stuff, they, English is not necessarily their first language, you know, English is actually their second language. Uh, and they do speak it. I think everyone in my family speaks it pretty well, uh, both dialects. So 
uh, yeah, it's not really written down, man. It's it's just passed on through through stories and and your parents and your family talking to you. Yeah, it's so interesting. I, I find that so um, so intriguing. And you know, the reason I ask is what what I learned about Native American culture was through history books, and I know for a fact that what's written on five pieces of paper written by a third party person is not always reflective of actual. So I wanted to kind of hear yes. hand from you on you know, what that is and what the culture actually is versus, you know, what we read in like high school history books. Yes. Yeah. So that's where we're at now, man. Cool. Cool. And then uh, walk us through uh, childhood, Brandon, uh, growing up in Albuquerque from, you know, high school on, like, how did you choose to go into um, the army career? Yeah, so uh, I grew up, I was, like I said, born and raised here in Albuquerque. Um, I'd say back in the early 90s, uh, I found out that my father was, you know, I was old enough to understand, but my father was, had actually joined the Navy. He was in the Army as well. Um, he served for, I think, a combined almost close to 10 years um, in different branches. Uh, you know, it was something that was always in the back of my mind. Um, you know, but going through school here in Albuquerque, I, I bounced around a lot. Um, my my mom was, I guess you could say, a single mom. My dad was kind of in and out of the picture growing up. Um, so we moved around a lot, bounced around a lot of different schools, uh, you know, different apartments, different places here and there. Uh, we didn't live in the nicest of neighborhoods, you know, so I, I lived in some pretty broken down parts of the city. Um so it was a it was a tough upbringing. Uh, you know, my mom did her best, and you know, I attribute a lot of who I am as a person to uh, you know her hard work and determination, and just doing everything she could to to give me a normalcy in my life that um, wasn't necessarily there all the time. But you know, she did her best, and you know, that's all I can really be thankful for. And uh, I owe a lot of who I am as a person to. Uh, to how she helped me through a lot of that stuff. So, and I, and I like to feel like we helped each other through a lot. Um, you know, so just the nineties the were bouncing around different schools, different areas of town. Um, and finally we settled down and I actually went to school. I went to two different high schools. Uh, so I went for a little bit at Highland High School, which is uh, kind of in the middle part of the city. And then I went to Albuquerque High School and uh, that's where I met the majority of my friends that I have to this day from uh, from school. I don't really have any friends from um, elementary to middle school. Like I said, we bounced around a lot, so it was kind of hard to keep in touch and, you know, keep close to certain people uh, when you're constantly moving around the city. So, uh, you know, m most of my friends that I have now, I uh, I got, got really close to when I was in, in high school. Uh, and high school is where I actually met a recruiter one day and he was walking through the halls talking about joining the military. Um, I wasn't too keen on going to college after high school and, you know, I didn't really have much money. I didn't have, you know, there were scholarships out there, but um, that just wasn't the route I wanted to go, but I also didn't want to be a bum, you know, so I looked into it and I did my best to uh, see what I could do to get in. And sure enough, uh, I graduated high school in 2003 and um, I joined the United States Army in May of 2004. Okay, so right after graduation, you joined the military. Pretty much, yes. So uh, I actually had, I was working out 
through high school. Um, and it's, it's funny because I attribute the army to, to kind of saving my life to a certain extent. So I was actually working out with a recruiter for a while and I started getting these pains in my back. Um, it was, you know, very uncomfortable. It was kind of starting to turn into a sharp pain and uh, I told my mom about it. So we went to the hospital, they checked it out, did some scans uh, and they found a tumor growing in my back, uh, which I would have probably never found out because I wasn't uh, anywhere close to being in shape. I uh, was never really into sports, uh, anything like that. So, um, you know, I had to lose some weight to, to join for a little bit. But, um, you know, doing so with working out with recruiters and stuff like that, uh, they found it. And I ended up having surgery on my back. They removed it. Uh, it was non-cancerous, thank the Lord. And, you know, I had to go through some physical rehab for a little bit. And when I was clear, I had to get a note from my doctor to take to my recruiter saying that I was physically capable of uh, joining the military. So that's what put a, so I graduated in summer of 2003, but I didn't leave until um, the early part of 2004. So that's where that time was at, uh, spending, recovering and uh getting my muscles and stuff ready to go from the surgery. Ah, got it. And I do want to touch upon one point. You said your relationship with your mom. I kind of witnessed that firsthand. Uh, remember that one time, uh, you, uh, I think you said you needed some help moving. I thought it was going to come help you, like, move some stuff. But you actually, uh, we went over to your mom's place and helped her move a few things. And I, I could just see firsthand the person you've become and the example you're setting to your kids is so respectful. Like, I always like, I mean, I uh, lovingly referred to you as chief because like, you know, I kind of look up to you as, as a big brother kind of thing. And, uh, you know, when I was in Albuquerque, you took me under a wing a couple of times. We had some fun times uh, on some adventures and, uh, you know, the shenanigans we got ourselves into uh, during kickball yes, as well. So good, well, good times and good memories all around. Yeah, man. Hey, I, I really appreciate that. And um, yeah, I, I, like I said, man, she uh, she struggled with a lot of stuff herself, uh, you know, being being a single mom and, you know, going through the ropes with that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, I've told her time and time again, she does not know how to pick a good uh, a good person to be with, you know. So, you know, some of the guys that she was with were, uh, you know, not the best of people. But, you know, I I do feel that no matter who's brought into your life, you have to learn something from them. Um, you know, so there was, she had a boyfriend there for a very long time who recently passed away. Um, she had a boyfriend there and he was, uh, kind of in and out of the system for most of his life. Um, you know, but he was a very respectful guy. Uh, you know, and I, I learned a lot from him, not necessarily the bad stuff, but you know, how to treat people, um, uh, with respect to that aspect and, you know, just how to kind of be a good person. You know, he rolled with the wrong crowd, obviously, but, um, you know, and he was always fighting his own demons, you know, but when it came down to, uh, you know, him protecting my, my mom and myself, you know, he, he always had her back, uh, you know, so that was, he kind of left the picture um, not too long. Well, I'd say about 10 years ago, he kind of left out of the picture with my mom and he moved out of the state, uh, and then he kind of come back here and there, but uh, he recently passed away. You know, he was, like I said, he fought his demons his whole life and they finally caught up to him, you know. So he actually passed away a couple years ago of an overdose, uh, unfortunately. So 
you know, he was a good guy. And, you know, my mom kind of took that one pretty hard, but, you know, he was, he just didn't roll with the right crowds, man. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, unfortunately there's, you know, there's stories like that all around. Um, and the, the route I was given in life was, could have been that road. You know, he, uh, there was a lot of opportunities growing up where, you know, like I told you, I didn't grow up in the best of neighborhoods and, you know, I had friends who were rolling in and out of those crowds. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And my, I like to say my mom kept me out of, kept me out of the streets as much as she could. You know, um, you know, the first person I remember really having a hard time with passing away was one of my friends from back in, I'd say, early elementary school. Uh, he was a lot older than me. He lived in uh, the same apartment complex as me. And, um, you know, he took me under his wing, man. He was a good guy. And, uh, you know, he actually got killed in a drive-by shooting. Um, so, you know, that was one of the first losses I remember growing up as a kid, you know, just, he was, you know, and he was about, I'd say he was in middle school. Uh, I was in elementary school. So he, he was a few years between us, but. Uh, got it. So know, he was still, he was still a kid when that happened. Yep. He was man. Um, you know, I was, I was, I'm not an only child. I actually have, I had an older brother, um, but he died of leukemia when he was 10 and I was about four years old. Okay. You know, so when he passed away, it just kind of didn't go sit well with the parents and um, they ended up getting divorced. Uh, You know, they both handled it kind of their own way. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, my father kind of turned to, what his vice was, you know, and unfortunately it was the, the bottle, you know, and the, the beer can. So that was, that was his vice growing up, but he turned to that, uh, you know, my mom kind of invested her time into, uh, you know, trying to do better for herself. And, you know, they fought over custody of me for a while and, you know, a lot of wild stories in that aspect, but, uh, you know, when it came down to it, um, they came to a common ground and, you know, it, it took a lot for my father to finally, realized that I was getting older and um, it was to the point where, you know, I didn't know if I necessarily, uh, if he knew that he, like I needed him in my life anymore, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, So he, you know, he came around. Um, It it took Mm -hmm. a lot for him to do that, but um, you know, he did come around eventually and, you know, he's, he's a good guy now. He's one of the funniest guys you'll ever meet, man. But uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, he, it was a different story back in the day, but, you know, everyone has their journey, man. And, you know, you can't put that past your parents as well. And like I said before, you know, everyone has their vices, everyone has the, whatever demons are fighting. And, um, you know, I'm just glad now that he's, he's on a different route in life. Um, And, you know, he's, he's a part of my life now and he's a part of his grandkids life now uh, as much as he can be, Um, Mm -hmm. which I'm grateful for, you know, he's no matter at the end of the day, whatever, happened between him and my mom or the, all the stuff we went through as growing up, you know, he, uh, you know, he's there now. Um, and not a lot of people could say that. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm glad the family's come around. Um, you know, we still have our issues, but you know, what family doesn't, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And that's so, I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, but I, if you don't mind me asking, how did you, uh, stay above all those hardships? Like how, like how, did you avoid taking the wrong road? It was a lot of my mom, man. She uh, she stayed on my back for 
a lot of stuff, you know, and she told me to keep my, my head in those books. Um, and, and that's what I did, you know, and she, she worked a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, so I was, I was a home, I was home by myself a lot. So, um, like I said, the, the friends were there that were easily able to, you know, bring me out. Um, and if I wanted to take that route, it definitely was there for me. Um, but that's just not something I ever wanted to do or ever wanted to be a part of, you know, I just, um, I was okay being at home. I was okay with my mom always being at work. Then she started going to school. Um, you know, so there was times where I didn't see my, I was, you know, fifth, sixth grade. And there was times where I never really saw my mom because she was, she started working nights for many years, you know, so, uh, by the time I got home from school, she was on her way to work, you know, and then she'd work nights and I'd be asleep when she got home, you know, but that was just, I had to grow up kind of quick, you know, unfortunately, and learn how to take care of myself at a, at a very young age. Um, mm. I don't blame my mom for that at all. She, you know, I see the sacrifices she made and we ultimately both had to make sacrifices, you know, uh, right. I, I sacrificed a lot by trying to be a good kid and staying home, um, and doing the best to, to show her that, you know, I'm, I'm on that road with her too. Uh, and she did everything she could to, to make a better life for me, man. And she did keep me out of the streets, uh, as, as much as she could. Um, mm-hmm. obviously I was exposed to a lot just because, you know, the circles we ran in. Um, and like I said before, man, she couldn't pick a good guy to save her life. So, you know, she was a victim of domestic violence that I uh, had to witness firsthand. Um, and I was young, so I, I couldn't do a whole lot to protect her. You know what I mean? So I, I was yeah. a kid, you know, so witnessing, you know, people, she had a gun pulled on her before. She you know, was beat up numerous times. That it was just hard to, uh, you know, it was hard to witness that. But at the same time, um, no matter what she w- went through, she always assured me that she was okay and that, you know, this isn't normal and that, you know, it's something that's just, uh, we're involved in right now. You know, there's, there's really no way around it. That's just kind of the life that was laid before us, man. And we, you know, we have to take every, every punch, uh, and just keep going, you know? So she got knocked down a lot. We both did, um, you know, and it, it took a lot of us stumbling through the road to, you know, finally see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, to be uh, completely honest, because for a long time there was that, that light wasn't, it didn't seem like it was shining down the the tunnel very much, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so, but like I said, she, she did keep me out of the streets, man, as best as she could. And, um, you know, eventually she came around to where, you know, we were able to get more of a stable home. Uh, We were able to, you know, get on track with, you know, my academics and her being a normal mom going to work, coming home while I was home still. And, um, you know, eventually it worked out, you know, and, you know, like I said, I had to grow up really fast, you know, so mm. when it came to, you know, high school and stuff, I, I felt like an adult already, you know, I was still a kid, but I had gone through so much and I was always kind of there for myself for a lot of it that, uh, you know, I grew very, very independent, man. And I, I, I grew mm. away from having to need anyone just because, you know, for the most part, nobody was there. It was, you know, most of my family lived on the, re- all my family lived on the reservation. 
the only people that lived here in town were me and my mom. You know, I have an auntie mm. that lives here as well. And my dad, like I said, he was in and out of the bars most of the time. So uh, it was me and my mom here. You know what I mean? So I didn't have a whole lot of family to fall back on. Um, you know, so I had to get very independent very early in life. So that kind of stayed with me for a long time. And uh, it was good and bad, you know, but at the end of the day, I, you know, I know what I can handle. And, but, you know, when it comes to where I'm at now in life, I, you know, I had to let a lot of guards down. Uh, I had to be less independent for myself because, you know, I, I have other people that depend on me now. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, that kind of trend transcended the whole being married thing. Cause that, you know, at, at one point I was like, I'm never going to get married, never going to have kids. You know, and I'm going to be celebrating um, nine years of marriage this year. And, you know, both my boys are going to, my youngest just turned two and my oldest will be seven, you know, so um, I'm living, yeah, that, they're living that domesticated life now, man, which is somewhere I never thought I would be just because of, uh, you know, the way I grew up, it was, it just didn't seem feasible to me that that's just how people lived, you know. Um, and, gotcha. And it's so inspiring to see that you have, uh, achieved to where you are today and one thank you so much for sharing such vulnerable moments uh, with us all and uh, I kind of want to lead to uh, see like how that's shaped into the person you're today like you are one of the most kind people I know um, just selfless uh, altogether I remember that there, it was my birthday one time we went to uh, beat ups after a game yeah. and you just like bought the whole team the meal because it was my birthday i was just like and you just left without even telling us you're gonna do that yeah <laughs> man just kind of and it's rare and i know like all the hardships you went through have shaped uh into the person you're today and uh, I, I wanted to can i ask you more about uh your post high school life when you joined the army uh, what were some of those adventures like and uh, how did that shape you into or or is that part of the life you kind of, uh, you know, want to not talk about? No, it's fine. Um, you know, so like I said, out of high school, I had my surgery. Um, I was cleared to join the military and I joined the army in um, 2004, went to basic training um, and did my advanced individual training, which is kind of your job. So I did that and all that combined, I was living in uh, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, which is about a few hours south of St. Louis. Um, so that's where I did most of my training. I stayed there for uh, about, I'd say, let's see here, maybe six months. I, I lived there doing all my training and, and getting everything ready to go. Um, then I came home for two weeks uh, in October of 2004. And then I got to my duty station and I was based out of Fort Lewis, Washington, which is about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour south of Seattle. Very night and day from um, Albuquerque, New Mexico, you know, we have a dry, (laughs) dry, and it's sunny, and it's hot all the time. And, you know, then Seattle was just cloudy. And, you know, I I heard all the, uh, you know, the rumors of, oh, man, it rains all the time. It's depressing. And, uh, it was beautiful for the most part, but um, it did rain all the time, you know, and it was constantly cloudy. Uh, it was just a different lifestyle for me. But, uh, you know, growing up the way I did, like I said, I was very independent. So um, it wasn't as hard for me to transition to, you know, living 
away from home, it was, you know, my mom worked all the time. So, and she still has that work at work, work ethic today. You know, she actually works uh, at UNM hospital in our intensive care unit here uh, in Albuquerque. And, you know, she, she's been hopping with the COVID stuff and, you know, worried for her all the time, but, you know, she knows exactly what she's doing. But like I said, she works all the time. So when I joined the military, it wasn't too hard for me to, to leave home. You know, I didn't, I didn't have a whole lot of anchors here besides my mom. And once I got her blessing, um, I was ready to, to conquer the world, man, by myself and, and see where I went. So, you know, I joined, was there for a few years. And then in 2007, they called us up to go to Afghanistan and support of Operation Enduring Freedom. So, you know, I came home, did my, my leave here, and um, I decided to, uh, well, I didn't decide to, but before I was leaving for back to Washington before we deployed, um, there was someone I was starting to talk to uh, a little before that, but, um, you know, we were kind of talking here and there, and that's my wife, Lisa, now, uh, you know, so before I left back, you know, we exchanged numbers and, you know, we started talking. Um, and then I, you know, deployed. She, you know, we were kind of together by that time I had deployed to Afghanistan. Um, you know, so she stayed by. Wait, Lisa and you guys just started dating well, when you were first deployed overseas? No. So in 2006, I would say we started at, well, 2000, let's see here. I got to remember back, man. It's been so long. I've been with Lisa since 2005, actually. So, and I deployed in late 2006, early 2007. So we were already together for a while. Uh, my apologies. So what happened was in 2005, um, they had called us to deploy to Iraq. Um, so they picked a few members from my unit to deploy. Um, so I had, I came home on leave for a couple of weeks um, in 2005, late 2005, and, uh, you know, got all my affairs in order. You know, you have to do your will and all that kind of stuff. Um, and before I was leaving, I had a little get together with some friends from high school um, and a mutual friend of ours, you know, uh, her name was Andrea. She asked, hey, you know, can my friend Lisa come and hang out? And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? So, you know, Lisa came through. Um, we had a little shindig over at a, an old Starbucks on Central, kind of near um, Knob Hill. Um, so she came and we talked and we just kind of hit it off from there. And uh, in 2005, that's when we, like late 2005, you know, we started, we were already talking on the phone for a little bit. And um, I decided, you know, to ask her out. And she said, yes. Yeah. So we started dating um, and then they canceled my deployment to Iraq. So, which was kind of a big relief. So 2006 came and, you know, we were dating for your, for a while there. And then, then they finally told us again, we're getting deployed to Afghanistan. So, you know, I came home again and, uh, did that whole spiel and then they actually sent us out. <laughs> so in 2007, we left, uh, January of 2007. So. Uh, I was stationed in, it's no longer there, so I believe I can say it was called Camp Eggers. Um, that camp is no longer there. It was kind of a little piece of town in Kabul, which is the capital city, uh, that the armed forces had taken over from the Taliban, and they kind of just retrofitted it to house soldiers there uh, from all different, I mean, we had different soldiers from Germany, 
um, Great Britain, Egypt. Uh, I mean, there were soldiers from all over the world that were staying there, which was awesome too, you know, because I got to see how other military branches throughout the world, you know, kind of did their thing, man. So I was there for about a year and some change. I'd say about a year and two months. So that's how long my deployment was. Um, came back and it was time for me to re-enlist. And, you know, with all the stuff I had gone through, uh, the military was a, I had heavily debated if I wanted to go down that career path. Um, you know, but I was with Lisa for a couple of years by then. Um, and I decided that maybe it was time for me to come home and, uh, you know, set down some roots, you know, just because, like I said before, I didn't have anything really anchoring me down home. Uh, I honestly didn't plan to come back to New Mexico ever, you know, except to visit my mom and some family here and there. But um, I didn't plan to come back. I didn't plan to live here in Albuquerque um, at all. You know, I was planning to just jump wherever I could. Um, but, you know, so Lisa's the anchor that brought you back to Albuquerque. Lisa was that anchor, so, you know, so my wife definitely was a big part of me wanting to come home. Um, she is a big person with family. You know, her her family means everything to her. Um, you know, that's a big part of her life. And, you know, uh, me and Lisa are, are very night and day when it comes to every aspect you could think of. Uh, you know, she's very hardcore family oriented. Um, she has a brother, a sister, nieces, um, you know, her, she's lived in the same home almost her whole life, you know, so I've, I've lived in, I can't even tell you how many places I've lived in, man, it's, it's ridiculous, so, um, you know, starting from when I was a kid, um, you know, when my brother going through his, his chemotherapy treatment, because, you know, he was sick all the time, so we were in and out of different places, and then my parents got divorced, so. You know, I was back and forth with a lot of stuff. And then, you know, my mom moving around for jobs. And before we finally settled, mm -hmm. we went all over the place, man. So, you know, I was I couldn't even tell you how many places I lived in my life. But my wife had gotcha. one or two homes. You know, she had the home she was she grew up in till she was, you know, in middle school. And then they bought a new house. And then she was there for the next 18 years, man. So. Um, you know, very night and day, her parents are married. They've been together for fi almost 50 years now, married. And, they, you know, they got married when they were teenagers, you know. So, you know, they're, you know, that's, it's just a very different dynamic than what I was ever accustomed to. So, uh, you know, I like to think we balance each other out in that aspect. You know, I, I have very different viewpoints on life. Uh, mine tend to be a lot more, um, uh, I wouldn't say negative, but they're they're very hard sometimes, and you know I I'm I'm very black and white when it comes to a lot of issues. Just it either is or it isn't. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. There's never really been a gray area for myself that I needed to live in. You know that's where most normal people I would say live in is the gray area. They you know they try to yeah, weave their way through life like that, but to me it was either yes or no, man. It was you know you have to do this or you don't do this. You know you yeah so. Brandon, I'm hearing a couple of things. One is just everything that shaped you into the person you're today could be summarized by your upbringing, your time in the military, and then Lisa. Like those three things are basically what has made you into the person you're today. And then, of course, uh, your two beautiful kids that I absolutely adore. Yes. Um, so with that being said, like what 
how do you like everything that's shaped you into who you are today? Like what, what is your life motto? Like, how do you live your life today? Considering all the things you've seen and done and, you know, gone through, uh, what is the life you want to live today? You know, I, I tend to try to live life, uh, you know, very cliche. It's, it's every day is, is not promised, man. Um, I am not a religious person at all. You know, my, my wife is, and, you know, she's very involved in that uh, area of life. I, I wasn't growing up. Um, or now, really, you know, I consider myself a, a, an agnostic for the most part, you know, a very scientific viewpoint on life, you know, but, you know, my motto is live every day as best as you can, you know, because, you know, tomorrow may not be here. Uh, and with everything going on in the world, everything crazy going on right now, it's tomorrow is never promised. And, you know, growing up the way I did, seeing friends that I've lost and uh, family that I've lost. Uh, it's just, it's been a tough road sometimes. Um, but at the end of the day, you you have to live for the next day, you know, and you live for yourself, you live for your family. And that's really all you can do at the end of the day. You know, you're, you're very defined mm-hmm. by your experiences in life. They define you as a person, as a human being. Um, but you just want to make sure that, you know, you go through life and you just be the best person you can be. Um, you know, because yeah, well said. Just, just a smile for someone. Sometimes, you know, like when I see people on the side of the road, if I don't have change or anything, I give them a smile. You know, sometimes I'll talk to them, and just see how their day's going. Um, that's just how the person. You know, you just have to be good, man. Uh, you you have to understand that everyone has their own journey in life, no matter mm-hmm. what happened. Um, they could yeah. have gone through the worst thing possible in life. Um, you know, but they're still pushing just like you are. And no matter how easy or tough your life was, we're all on the same path together, man. We just, we want to live life and be better. And, and that that's that, that's really how I try to live my life and how I try to teach my boys that, you know, you have to live for today and live it to the best way you can, you know? Yeah, that explains so much. Like when we hang out, you're always, you're always loving life. Like you uh, funniest guy, one of the funniest guys I know. You got it, man. <laughs> and uh, just, just so generous, so generous. So I, I definitely can see that. And then the last piece of uh, uh, this question I have is, with everything you've learned, what advice do you have for me as a friend, as someone that, you know, we've uh, kind of gotten close to with my time in Albuquerque? Everything you've gone through, you've learned so much. What do you want me to take away from it all? You know, all, all I can really tell you, man, is you, you're a good person. I can, I, I knew that the moment I met you. Uh, you know, you have a big heart, and uh, you know, I really want to get to know you a lot better as well. Just because, you know, we've had our times together, and we've we've gone on some adventures together, and I, I do appreciate your friendship, man. But I want to let you know that no matter where you go in life, you know, you always have to take something from from whoever you meet. And, you know, you have to make people feel feel good about themselves. And whether it's a smile, whether it's a hello, um, you know, it, it's always good to just acknowledge that there's more here than just us. You know, there's other human beings, there's other people out there. Um, you know, I, I've always been a, a stickler for trying to make people laugh. That's kind of gotten me in trouble since I was a kid, man. You know, uh, I shared a story once where I have pictures that, I took of some old um, achievement. You know how you get those achievement awards when you're in school? I always used to get the class clown ones, man. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that that's just my advice <laughs> to you, man. Is just make people laugh, make people smile, um, because sometimes that's that's all we have to give to someone else, and and that's enough, you know. Just just be a human being with someone else. Hey, you're definitely the guy that walks the talk. Because hanging out with you, like I could see like everything that motivated you to. I mean, I mean, you were one of the funniest guys ever. I appreciate that. We were always laughing when we were around. <laughs> always a good time when hanging out with you. Um, so I really appreciate you, buddy. Appreciate your friendship. Um, tell Lisa I say hi. And uh, thanks a lot, man. Yeah, Stay safe. And uh, hopefully our paths cross again. I'm looking forward to that, man. You know, and, and I hope in the future they do cross. So I'm looking forward to that. But keep doing what you're doing. Um, love the podcast. Love the positivity you're bringing out there. And uh, if there's anything you ever need, man, I'm just a call away. So, Awesome. I appreciate you, buddy. Take care. Bye. There's a quote by Bill Nye that says, Everyone you'll ever meet knows something you don't. And today I learned, live life for today. Live it to the fullest. And spread joy just like Brandon. Thanks, Chief.